Greetings, welcome, and good day. You are now tuned into the 17th episode of the Season Vet Podcast. Happy New Year and happy Black History Month. I'm so glad you could make it to another chapter of the show. I can't think of a better way to kick off our 2024 season than with the first two branch veterans to grace this show. Sergeant Rhonda Cooper joined the U.S. Marine Corps in 1998 as the first woman in her family to enlist in the armed services. She did this with the discouragement of her grandmother, a college graduate and school teacher. Well, less than two years later, her grandmother became one of her biggest fans and supporters of her decision to join the Marine Corps. As you can imagine, anyone who joined the Marine Corps in 1998 was likely still in the service following the attacks on September 11th. And that's exactly what happened. Rhonda ended up deploying and fighting in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. After leaving the Marine Corps, she re-enlisted in the U.S. Army in 2007. And I can't wait for you to hear about her experience there. (laughs) Rhonda retired from the Army and has since then taken on the personal mission of attaining a higher education and serving the black community any way she can. An easy feat for a master's degree holding member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Rhonda, that's definitely one way to make your grandmother proud. Rhonda's story is one of encouragement and tenacity. The courage to step into the unknown with no one to guide you, and the tenacity to keep going even when failure seemed inevitable. There's a saying to the tune of, if you ever joined the Marine Corps, then you're one of them forever. And that's why I've called this episode, Once a Marine. Friend! Hey! <laughs> hey, how's it going? going great how about you very well very well i am enjoying all the weather on this lovely west coast um today was a uh what's it called a 70 degree day so i was able to like walk outside with my sleeves out i'm sorry with short sleeves on yeah like i i let the wind hit my arms i was like yes let's get it lucky you it is 44 degrees here in the pacific northwest oh my god and the sun has already gone down oh my god i'm so sorry for your loss yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, if you don't mind, uh, what is your connection to the service? And if you would like to say your name, you can. I am Rhonda. Hey, world. I am a Marine Corps vet and an Army retiree. Ooh-wee! Come on! Marine Corps and Army? Yes. In one lifetime. <laughs> In one lifetime. <laughs> I went into the Marine Corps first. I did eight years in one day, and then I joined the Army after working as a sheriff deputy back home in Chesapeake, Virginia. Jesus. Rhonda, you're a very tough lady. You know that? (laughs) So I have been told. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm scared of you. We on the phone. (laughs) You're not going to jump through this phone and like, uh, uh, I don't know. (laughs) You're not going to kick me through the phone, are you? (laughs) No. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm just as goofy as I want to be, so you have nothing to worry about. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you better make me feel safe. <laughs> I'm going to be laughing through this whole interview. I can already tell. <laughs> I'm here for it. So, all right. So, you joined the Marine Corps, and is it safe to say that was your first uh, choice? Like, that was the one you were, like, eyeing for when you were, like, looking for, for oh, branches to join? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had no other desire to do anything else but the Marine Corps. Man, what drew you to the Marine Corps? The the uniforms. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) The uniforms. Rhonda. Oh, my God. No, because when I was first looking at uh, branches to join, Marine Corps was first on my list. 
for the exact same reason. I was like, man, you, yes. they, they got the best uniforms. Plus they get a sword because those were the commercials that I saw. Everybody had a sword. I was like, I want a sword. So I'm going to join the Marine Corps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those uniforms, those dress blues, that, that old Navy blue with that red piping. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it's, it's, it does something to you. It's fly. It is mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. And then too, you know, people told me that I wouldn't be able to make it, that oh, I was crazy for going into the Marine Corps, and Full Metal Jacket was still in its heyday <laughs> back then, and people just thought it was going to end up like that, but they actually inspired me to want to do it even more. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And then you did eight years in the Marine Corps? Eight years. That's a, Oh my God, that's a lot of time. <laughs> It is when you're in the moment and when you see it before you, but I wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world. Right on. All right. I have people that I met during that experience that I am still friends with and consider family to this day. I heard that. Now, what was your, uh, your, I don't even know what it would be called in the Marine Corps. I want to say your job. <laughs> MOSs. We have the same thing. They okay. <laughs> Um, I went to school to be a 6046 aviation administrative clerk, and I went to school in Meridian, Mississippi, and I had a second dairy MOS of 0151, which is a human resources personnel clerk. Those careers have nothing to do with each other, Rhonda. <laughs> you would think not. However, <laughs> if you, when you go to the aviation maintenance administrative school, you learn how to make, how to do memos, how to process letters officially, and you learn how to do general correspondence in the Marine Corps slash Navy. So it did kind of correlate to each other, and it helps with record keeping and things of that nature. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks for breaking that down for me. I <laughs> look. I'm, I've never been a Marine, um, and God willing, never will be. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey. hey, hey. <laughs> Look, hey, I got out of the military. I'm not, I wouldn't go back to be to be a, a Marine. Are you serious? At my at my big age. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I don't think I would. I don't think my knees would allow me to go back into the Marine Corps. I don't think my lack of motivation would allow me to. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. You mean some 20-year-olds go yell at me? Just, no, no, not again. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So you did a lot of a lot of uh, human resource, a lot of uh, admin when you were in the Marine Corps. And what was your job when you were in the Army? What was your MLS? <laughs> I went to school to be a fueler, which is a 92 box. However, once they found out that I had human resources experience, <laughs> I was moved up to do the job of 42 Alpha. Okay. 42. Mm-hmm. No, that actually is. That's actually human resources. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Look, 42 Alpha is the only thing that, the only job description I know for Army uh, lingo. Because y'all have a lot of uh, numbers and alphabets, mm-hmm. and I haven't memorized any of them except for that one. And that's because mm-hmm. I work in human resources now. <laughs> oh, okay. That's one of the best jobs in the military across the board. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Rhonda, how do you feel about your time in uniform? Does any particular time period stand out? Boot camp. Definitely stands out or basic training of course and also when we went to iraq in 2004 so that was a an experience you're a war veteran yes yo you're a wait you're a marine corps war veteran 
Um, yes, we went over to Iraq in 2004 in support of uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation New Dawn. Enduring Freedom. Oh, no, Enduring Freedom. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you're like the toughest lady I know now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh my God. No, 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 no. Wow, I'm in awe. All right. Nope, I'm, I'm just Rhonda. Sure, Rhonda. Sure. You don't get to say all of that and be like, well, I'm just, no, 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 no. Because I, I heard the story. <laughs> uh, if you don't mind my asking, how long were you over there for uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation uh, Enduring Freedom? So we were over there from August of 2004 until April of 2005. Long enough. Plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And you were in, you were actually in Iraq. Yes, we were at an airbase called Al-Assad, which is 80 miles, I believe it's southeast from Baghdad, it might be. I'm not going to check you on this. You you can say anything you want. (laughs) You can be like, yeah, it's right outside of New Jersey. I'm not going to look at a map. I believe you. Yes, it was so long ago. um, I believe, yeah, it's in... It's in Iraq, and it's a little closer to the Syrian border, if I remember correctly. It was so long ago. No one is checking you on this, Rhonda. Oh, God. <laughs> Are you kidding? We're not about to check a Marine Corps veteran on geography. <laughs> <laughs> if you say you that's where it is, then that's where it is. Some of us might get lost. You might need to check us, because some of us might get lost. <laughs> that's how we ended up there. Lord. <laughs> Boot camp stood out and your time uh, serving in the war stood out. And those are very legitimate times to have stood out. My goodness. Uh Uh, Does any time in the army stand out to you? When I re-enlisted at the MEPS and then walked across the street to where I was going for the army and being thrown into a environment that I was not prepared for, because the Marine Corps, when you're prior service, you don't go to basic training to the other branches. You right. just show up and join the military and you, you go to your school for your job. Mm-hmm. So it was different with different customs, different courtesies, different lingos. Um, they had uh, what was called cadre in our MOS school. And I was a prior service sergeant. So I haven't seen a drill sergeant or a drill instructor since basic training. And here I am, have been in almost nine years already, and you're going to yell at me? Right. Like, <laughs> oh. it, was, it was definitely a culture shock. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Now, all right, you're lo- located on the Northwest. You're not from the West Coast, are you? No, I'm from Chesapeake, Virginia. All right. Here was my next question. I know, f- I, I think 42 Alpha Human Resource School for the Army is in South Carolina, is that where you did your school or was it like a different location then? So I received, it was a rule in the Marine Corps at the time that if you did one year of on-the-job training, you could take a test and receive a secondary MOS. It could only be for a secondary MOS. However, that training showed that you were proficient enough to hold the additional MOS. So when I went into the Army, that job title of 0151 translates to the needs and resources of the 42 Alpha. So I was able to say, hey, do you know how to do XYZ? I do. 
well, I need you to come up here in this office because we're short a person. <laughs> they put you to work immediately? They did. <laughs> they gave you no training. Well, not that you needed any training. You were good because once <laughs> once again, that time in the uh, Marine Corps. All right. <laughs> they couldn't wait for you to enlist. They was waiting on you at the door. <laughs> and I went to this school learning how to be a fueler learning how to tell the difference between the grades and petroleum, thinking I'm going to be out here in the motor pool or being at some kind of fuel system testing. And they were like, nope, um, we have a lot more people down here in the motor pool than we need to. We're going to send you up to the headquarters. <laughs> okay. They just decided your, your destiny for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Enough with this fueling stuff. Uh, back to paperwork. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right. How do you think your experience could have been improved? Or could it? I and- think that my experience in the military would have been improved if I had done things a little differently as far as my life. I became a mom very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 19. You know, you know what we do in the military. We... <laughs> Become 18 and we get married <laughs> to the first thing that we see that's different. Oh, yeah, you grown. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I had my first child at 19 uh, with my then husband. And the needs shifted once you become a, a parent, a mm-hmm. mother. Um, you are no longer mission capable. You're mommy capable. Mm-hmm. And if I had to do anything differently, I wish that I would have a chance to explore the military without having additional responsibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes sense. So that was your time in the Marine Corps. Look, you're mm-hmm. the you're the first two branch or multi branch person I've had on this podcast. You, <laughs> you're a unicorn, lady. All right. So now I get to ask you that same question about the Army. Uh, how do you think your experience could have been improved in the Army? Oh man, just pure ignorance. I was I was very ignorant to the the ways of the army, and for me, it was a culture shock because I came from the ultra rigid, you know, Marine Corps to the not so rigid, but we still are branch of the military army, and it was just. I think I needed to like process that whole thing and. My health started getting worse. I started developing migraines after I had a mild um, TIA. And I just didn't get to experience the Army as wholeheartedly as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the knowledge to effectively combat that. Mm. So it's fair to say, like, maybe a lack of resources uh, yes. A lack of information, like more information, would have helped you. Yes. Okay. I feel that. Sometimes it's it's hard to find what you need if it's not because people aren't like openly broadcasting it. It's not like there's not a lot of flyers on the wall. You don't get a lot of emails about uh, certain things. Some things you just have to search for, it, and if you don't know how to search for it, then you're just never going to find it. Mm-hmm. And that. then you know, being aligned with people. Uh, who have experience and who have knowledge and having, you know, a a village to help you navigate it. I Mm -hmm. was out here by myself and I had one person 
at that time that I met the day I came into the Army that tried as best as possible to help me navigate it. He took great care of me, uh, he and his wife, who are still friends to this day. However, he was in a totally different uh, environment. He actually was working in our MOS, and so it wasn't the same experience. Tell me about a time you experienced something, either good or bad, that you know to be unique to you because you are a black woman. Mm. Good or bad. Sometimes good things happen. Many times bad things happen. (laughs) Because you are a black woman. (laughs) Unfortunately, the worst thing that I remember in my career came from dealing with another black woman. Oh, wow. I I hate hearing stuff like that, but I know it happens. Yeah. No, go ahead. And more times than not, when those experiences happen, it's due to another man involved in the situation. And one of my most jarring and defeating experiences is my staff in COIC at the time decided that whatever was going to happen at my job, I was always going to fend for myself because of a relationship that she was in where she felt threatened. Wow. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I I wasn't thinking about the person she was involved with the first. Of I, course not. You I were a just, mother. You yeah. had better things on your mind. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, once I found out about the individual, the things that I found out about him, it didn't align up with who I am. And, you know, I just always looked at him like he was a cornball or something. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I still think this to this day. And um, it just turned out that I feel that she and I both missed out on a valuable opportunity. Yeah. Uh, her to teach me and me to learn from her because of a, a battle that we were engulfed in and it was one-sided. It was stupid. Right. right. So that is my most, I think that's the worst experience that I've had specifically being a black woman. That's awful. You missed out on yeah. a good friendship that you, that could have lasted forever because this lady was <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. acting up for no reason. Dang. I, I really, I hate that. I hate and that. then at the opposite end, I was going through uh, a divorce with my husband at the time. And I was feeling like really low, like in a bad place. And I met a young lady who was a reservist. Mm-hmm. And they got activated to come while I was on maternity leave into my workstation. At that time, I was on myself because my then husband was in... Was he in Korea, Japan? He was somewhere. I don't even remember at the time. He was somewhere. And (laughs) as I was going through a divorce, I was kind of experiencing like postpartum depression and stuff. And this young lady, another black woman, her name is Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. Her name is Cheryl Smith. And (laughs) she's from San Diego, California. And we were stationed at Camp Pendleton. She took me and embraced me as if I was a member of her family. I love it. I love it. I, I met love her it. mom, her dad, her mother, her, her dad's uh, new wife, her brothers, and they may not remember me, but it was just that she was there for me and 
made me realize that I wasn't alone. And I felt like I had a big sister. Shouts out to Cheryl. I love you, Cheryl. Yes. Yes, Cheryl. Yes, Cheryl. Oh my God. You were good with Cheryl. Okay. When you brought complaints to your chain of command, do you feel that you were heard? Oh, of course not. Especially <laughs> if it was a non-black woman involved in the situation. Mm-hmm. It, it just, even in the Marine Corps, we're just expected to just suck it up and drive on. So our complaints were like, okay, we'll we'll look into it. Mm-hmm. And then no one and does anything. Ever came yeah. about it. So not only were you not hurt, but you were also just not taken seriously. Right. Man, this is a side question, but to the best of your knowledge, as far as you could see, uh, were there more black women in the Marine Corps or in the Army? Just Just where you could see. And I know you can't answer as a whole because you didn't see the whole thing, but... Um, the army. Okay. The army, definitely. Um, I'm seeing more black women Marines now, but when I was in, no, the army, definitely. Makes sense. You know, I, I figured that was going to be the answer because, no, all right, number one, the army is bigger. <laughs> True. They have True. the best recruiting. They are mm-hmm. everywhere. They're like roaches. <laughs> We're not gonna let them talk. We're not gonna talk about the army like that. They're people, not not roaches. Uh-huh. They are everywhere. <laughs> they are. They are. There's not a recruiting station in existence that doesn't have army presence at it. True. Yeah, true indeed. I'm sorry. I called you battle buddies, Roach. I'm kidding. <laughs> true indeed. All right. How about ants? No. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it back. I'll take it now, back. Ants, yes. <laughs> ants are very hard workers. So, yeah. yes, we're going to say ants. <laughs> Y'all like ants. Y'all always into something. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> in the beginning of your career, when you needed guidance and mentorship, were those resources provided for you or did you have to seek them out? And I'm going to ask you this for the Marine Corps and the Army because you have granted me the privilege. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say yes because I had great recruiters. Okay. Wow. In, in, the, in the Marine Corps. Oh, yes, I had great recruiters. Wow. And, uh, my recruiting station was full of black male Marines. Okay. And they took a special thought and care into preparing not just me, but all of the black women who were coming through and made sure we got they made sure we had great jobs. They made sure that we were uh, visited by women drill instructors to prepare us for what we would be going through. Nice. They actually came to my house and helped me pack up um, my bags and went through the list. And they even they came down to visit me while I was in basic training. What? Uh, yes. And when I got to my first duty station, one of them was actually stationed there, and they made sure to. Uh, look me up and to keep track of me and they just looked out for me while I was from the beginning to the end. Rhonda, you had unicorn recruiters. This I, I did and if I could ever find uh, Master Sergeant Harrelson and uh, Gunnery Sergeant Harris, thank you. Man. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they helped you pack? Like that is... Yes. I've never heard that before. <laughs> they came to my grandmother's house and they had spoken to uh, 
the women drill instructors who they knew. Mm-hmm. And they helped me get my bag together so that I could keep everything that I had took, had taken with me and that um, I wouldn't get in trouble for having anything extra. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, they looked out for you. I've never heard of anything like this. And they gave me the, like, the game as far as like being in the a small organization where uh, black women are scarce. They gave me the game, like from a brother's point of view, like this is what time it's going to be. I, I love need this you for to you. keep your head in a 360. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> On a swivel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that for you. I, I love it. Oh, man. Um, the army. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes to that because my very experience as a soldier, I hadn't been in the military uh, more than three minutes in the army and I was lost. The verbiage was different on my orders. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about the army. And as I was leaving the MEP, someone stopped me and asked me that I need anything. Matter of fact, they said, I yo, you good. And <laughs> all right. So this was a black person. <laughs> actually he's Puerto Rican. Okay. But, I mean, <laughs> he still wanted to be still a brother. And um, he was like, Hey, yo, you good. And I was like, no, I have no idea what this means. And he was like, oh, yo, I got you, Sarge. And right now he's still in. He's a master sergeant. And uh, we're still friends to this day. Nice. So I can say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> I, I like that you were able to run into people that were willing to help you. That's, yeah. that's I'm glad too. <laughs> that's so lost. needed. <laughs> I would have been lost. Oh, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to make friends with other black lady veterans? Are you purposeful about building your village? Now you already said you were retired. So, um, Mm -hmm. so now I'm, I'm just wondering where are you able to make black lady veteran friends along the way? And have you kept in touch with them? Yes. Amen. Um, I love it. Let me see. Some of them, um, I only speak to, you know, through social media and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we still catch up and Hey, how's it going? I've watched their children grow up from a distance. Like they've watched mine. Um, let me see others I've gotten to know later uh, throughout my different branches and through retirement being involved in different organizations I've met a lot of black lady veterans and um, one of my bestest my best most dearest friends is a black lady veteran and she's one of my sheroes and I just think like she's a freaking amazing person so you want to shout her out hey Roxy Hey, Roxy, how's it going? <laughs> hey, Roxy. <laughs> yeah, she just retired. Uh, nice. From after 23 years of service. Get it. As a, as a first sergeant. So, like, I'm Come very on. proud of her. And um, I, she's just, she's amazing. Um, Shouts out to you, Roxy. I got a cousin. You mm-hmm. know, one of those kind of cousins where you grow up in the same neighborhood and y'all become cousins. Um, I got a cousin <laughs> who uh, retired. She went into the Army a little later in life and uh she ended up retiring uh she went through enlisted first as a gunnery sergeant and then she became a major upon her retirement nice now she's retired so hey angie hey angie shouts out to you (laughs) so yeah i think i've got a pretty good village of 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 woman veteran friends i love it you have one more member of this village that we both know and I'm gonna go ahead. And Miss Lisa, come on, come Lisa, on, Lisa, Lisa Spotwood. Spotwood. 
something. I met Miss Lisa one time, and I knew right then that she was she was a special lady, like a very very special. lady. Yes, yeah, she is. And um, upon learning about who she was and the history that she made mm-hmm. and the co-star, I, I, she. That's that's one heck of a lady. Who are you telling? I know. <laughs> that's one heck of a lady. And thank you, Miss Lisa, for putting me on to this podcast. And thank you, thank you, Lisa Spotwood, for introducing me to this this very tough lady. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you this uh, at the top of the uh, the interview. Um, are you the first woman in your family to join the service? Yes. Nice. I am the first woman in my family to join the service. Nice. Um, both my grandfathers were Navy. My great uncle was Navy, and I'm the first woman. And my daughter is now serving. Nice. In, uh, the United States Army. Nice. Very nice. Congrats. You are Thank you. you are making waves even in your own family. Heck yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Rhonda. Tell me a war story, a story where you were tested, but you came out on top. Make sure you're the hero. We want to see you win. The very first one that comes to mind was on December 18th, 1998, standing on a platform with about 300 other Marines and receiving my Eagle Globe anchor. And um, the reason why I chose that is because my family even was like, you can't do it. You weren't going to amount to anything because you're a black woman in the military. Damn, your own family? Yeah. We come from a family of educators, and uh, my grandmother at the time worked at North State University, behold. And that's where it was expected for me to go. I'm the first grandchild. Mm. And instead of being able to articulate her hurt, you know, she thought by telling me I wasn't going to do it, it was going to dissuade me. Mm. But, um, she ended up being one of my biggest fans, you of know, course. after I became, you know, <laughs> one of my biggest supporters, her and my mother, it was a, it was a contest to see which one was more proud, but <laughs> it was a source of contention and just being able to receive that Eagle Globe and Anchor and to hold the title of United States Marine, I joined a very, very small club at that time of women, black women, who had accomplished that feat and that is one of my greatest greatest victory i know that's right i know that's right Rhonda. you you better turn your haters into lovers <laughs> <laughs> you they favorite now <laughs> right they they can't stop talking about you they, they like hey right. have, have you met my baby Rhonda? T- two yes. branches of service I, I, yes. in iraq in 2004 yeah yeah she did it all that's my baby she did that <laughs> glad because I guess they realized you know that I'm gonna do anything I put my mind to I know that's right and once they saw that I was serious then they had no choice you either going to support me or you're going to sit back and watch me and and still be sitting there watching so <laughs> they they decided you know what they supported me and my my mother you know she eventually told me that it was because she was scared yeah and yeah you know, my grandma was scared and they yeah. thought that it would deter me and it would keep me safe. It was out of love. It was out of love. You yeah. know, I get it, you know, but it still made me want to yeah. do it even more. Good. Good. You did everything you were supposed to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I sure did. 
Do you feel that the way you were treated improved with rank? Yes and no. <laughs> yes, because, you know, I didn't have to do the dumb stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in charge. However, oftentimes as black women, when we're in charge, we have to show up and be bubbly and nice and... and Just to prove that you're not angry. Right, like we're not the angry black woman. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to be in a commanding position especially with white males right right, and (laughs) not to be perceived as the attitude having black women and you can't be nice because then oh this is how she gets ahead and Mm -hmm. you can't be too friendly you can't even be a jokester you can't even be yourself because you're going to be either ghetto or Mm -hmm. you're going to be you know it's just so much that no matter what rank you are you are faced with people's opinions of you. So many standards. Often, so many yes, standards and, that only we are held to. Yes, and let's not even talking about hair and, you know, nails and mm-hmm. grooming standards. Mm-hmm. It's like... We're it's, in a league of our own with rules against us. <laughs> yes, exactly. And rank doesn't save you from that. No, and, no. In fact, it gets worse with as you get higher up because your now eyes are network... On you. Yes, your network becomes smaller. Mm-hmm. When you're a private, well, there are 10 other female black women privates mm-hmm. in, in your organization, but there's only one female black star major in every unit on the base. Mm. It's, you, you have to fight harder when you achieve more rank. Understood. Now, has there ever been a tough situation where another sister helped you out or you helped out another sister? I'm going to go back to Cheryl. Come on, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl. Um, if it, I don't know where I would be at that point in my life without Cheryl. If I can find Cheryl on Facebook, I'm going to drop this one in her yeah. inbox. She needs to hear this. Yes. Her <laughs> name is uh, Cheryl Smith on Love Facebook. It. And, and the reason why I say that, they teach you as a Marine that you can be feminine but just enough so no one can say bad things about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you oh, hold be, on. And you joined at a time, uh, you joined before Don't Ask, Don't Tell got dispelled, right? I did. I yep, so you had me. more standards to uphold. You had to be yes. a, a woman, but not a not not, not uh, yes. a woman of the evening. <laughs> exactly, so you, had, you could be feminine, but right. just enough so that just, it was weird. Right. Just, just enough, enough to keep those accusations away from you. Yeah. And then me, you know, I wore my hair straight. most I mean, short most of the time. Because number one, when it was long, you got to keep it in a bun or a braid and that damages your hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I kept it short. I, I It was easy for me to just get up, comb my little wrap out, my little Tony B haircut out and go. Yep. Or to have my little Caesar cut and just brush it in the morning with my cap. Well, because you don't want to talk to the men and you don't want to be considered easy, they, they call you otherwise. You're considered a, you know, a dyke or anything else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then I meet, then I meet Cheryl. <laughs> First off, she looks like some more. Like if you see her. She the comedian? Like, yeah. The comedian. Back in the day with that short little haircut, it's always slick. It's just wrapped perfectly. Yes. Oh, she Cheryl. still got it like that. Yeah. Okay. 
Cheryl was cute in her uniform. She always smelled good. Get it, she Cheryl. She wear makeup, but she just put on some lip gloss and some eye, some um, mascara. Her nails were always done. Like, Cheryl was a diva. Get it, Cheryl. And so, meeting Cheryl, Cheryl is like, I'm always going to look good, honey. I don't care what these people say about me. I'm going to wear it, and I'm going to wear it well. Mm-hmm. So, Cheryl helped me at 21 years old, she was a little older, to tap into my inner diva, to tap into my femininity and to not let some of these standards that were created for us, uh, you know, kind of box me in. Get it. She she helped me be uh, a fierce Marine. I heard that. Also, you joined very young. So like you had a lot to learn anyway. So she was just there teaching. Yeah, she was just there teaching you like things that you needed, things that you needed to know as a Marine, Mm -hmm. as a lady, as a black lady. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Cheryl. Mm -hmm. You good over here. (laughs) Shout out to Cheryl again. (laughs) All right. Rhonda, can you tell me something you wish you had known before joining the service? I wish I had known the toll it would take on you physically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wish that I had known that most people when they joined the military are still little kids with big responsibilities. You're in charge of multi-million dollar assets and multi-million dollar pieces of equipment and you get a paycheck that at most of us at 17 and 18 year old can only dream about. Mm-hmm. I wish that I had been more responsible and to to tap in some knowledge about how to live while in the military. Okay. When I say how to live, you're given a paycheck on the 1st and 15th, but nobody actually sits there and tells you how to pay your bills and to maintain that paycheck and what to do with it. So after you pay your bills, you know, you go into a savings account. We mm-hmm. go out, we buy chargers, you know, we try to floss with the latest stuff. We got access to the PS. We go get a... Because uh, y'all are children. <laughs> right, we're children. And we you just give money to cards. children? Exactly. We go out and get star cards. We go out and we just do the thing. that We got children. We just go out and do grown-up things like we're still actually kids. You treat yourself to Christmas twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. Exactly. <laughs> And what I wish going into the military is that you are just dropped into the world and you're expected to figure it out. Yeah. I wish I would have asked more questions to people who I knew were in the military. I wish that I would have paid a little more attention to those people to gain an understanding of how you actually live while you're in the military. Things that eventually came with age. You just wish you had known them sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said uh, you wish you had asked more questions. There's a very good chance you didn't even know what questions to ask. And I didn't. Yeah. Baby. You're a baby. I just knew that I'm getting paid <laughs> on the 1st and the 15th. That my all my bills that I'm responsible for is on allotment. So they're going to come out before I even see them. And whatever <laughs> I got left, you know, uh, we ball out. <laughs> We go to the e-clubs and right. we, go, we, we go shopping. Go to the PX. Yes, we, we go to the classics. We throw barracks parties with the rest of our paycheck. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. A barracks party. Mm-hmm. Look, 
hey, no shade, because I know y'all was kids, but I bet it smelled like Doritos. <laughs> Probably smelled, it was, yeah, it was a mean, bunch of sodas everywhere. You had cigarettes, you know, some of our friends were 21. So. Oh, okay. Oh, so there was liquor too. <laughs> yeah, we, we would pull together all our resources. Lord. Like, hey, I got 35 on the alcohol. Like, you know. <laughs> We're, we're, we're kids and we have no supervision as long as we show up for inspection and work the next day Lord. you know <laughs> is it fair to say that you were around just a lot of people your own age like you joined very young so your own age mm-hmm. would be like anyone 22 and under uh, that's all I was around okay even some of our sergeants were like 22 year old sergeants okay y'all were being led by children as well Jesus yes, yes. <laughs> there were no adults in the room <laughs> right our first line of supervision were literal 20 and 21 year olds oh lord you don't learn mm-hmm. anything you don't know anything that age <laughs> nope I was a 21 year old sergeant in charge of a whole people a whole unit full of room full of people that they had to report to me and psh, I, I just had my second child. What I don't have time to supervise y'all, you know? Stuff like that. Y'all sound like a television show, for real. It's the real, the real lives of the USNC. <laughs> All right. Tell me about a time you learned a lesson that you were not ready to learn. Maybe a surprise situation, a, a surprise event happened. You weren't ready. For that event, it taught you a lesson that you weren't ready for. September 11th. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. September 11th. And the reason why I remember this is because I was on, it happened. So we had this thing in our unit where your birthday weekend, you can submit for a four-day pass. Mm-hmm. Well, my birthday is September 9th, which usually falls on September 11th. Weekend. Oh, my God. So when I got back to work that morning, It was just weird. So I get to work. The gate is backed up. They're in full, you know, they're in full uh, protective gear. They're searching cars. And I'm like, what in the world is happening? But because we're in Camp Pendleton, the service already sucks because of the mountains. But now they've cut the circuit breakers on the base. So you can't get through. You can't have phone calls. Nothing is getting in or out. I finally get to my unit. And it is so silent the silence was so still like what in the world just happened i still don't know what's happening i get to my shop only my staffing seal was there and i'm like hey what's going on he's like you don't know i'm like no nah. like i'm sorry I'm, first of all i'm sorry i'm late what happened the gate was back there <laughs> right and he was like I, he was like i know you don't know what's wrong and i'm like no that's when he told me what had happened with the Twin Towers, because um, we were three hours behind the East Coast. So it happened during the time where I was on my way to work. Wow. For the first time in life, I saw how people can come together in grief, but simultaneously be torn apart by ignorance. It moved me in such a way that you see it's so solemn because people are realizing what's happening. Yeah. And for a brief second, everyone had gathered and, you know, everybody was in one place trying to comfort each other. And, you know, but as soon as I think that the, the solemnness wore off, it created a, a divisive energy. 
where people who you had just had barbecue with the week before were now turning into people you didn't know existed. That particular 48 hours lifted a veil. I, I believe I, I have to say it's a veil. Lifted a veil off that, I guess, because they teach you so much about brotherhood and one team, one fight, and we're a family, that you forget that people are individuals before they come into the military. Mm-hmm. That taught me that the same person you can call your brother or your sister can change based off of a belief. It did something to me. I lost faith in the God country core thing that they, you know, like we're supposed to all be bound by this elite accomplishment of being Marines. I saw racism reveal its head and prejudices reveal its head and where our smoke pits were once filled with everyone, now only certain groups were meeting together at certain times. It was at that moment, I guess I realized what America was really made of. It's a real eye-opener. A real eye-opener. That was the first time that I realized that, wow, I've really been putting my blood, sweat, and tears into this, and this is not what this really is. And so it became a job to me. I, I went to work. I did my job, and I came home. Whereas before, I lived the Marine Corps. I, my family used to call me Sergeant Slaughter because I was just so gung-ho. Like, I had so much pride in the Marine Corps. And I just felt like the Marine Corps was, like, the band-aid that America needed. Like, the Marine Corps was just the one thing that would be, I guess, hidden from the things that happen in the world, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause we would all be bonded by this thing that we're Marines and it just, it, it did something to me. What year did you join the military? I joined the Marine Corps in 1998 as part of the delayed entry program. I did my initial enlistment March 5th, 1998. And I shipped off to boot camp after my 18th birthday on um, September 21st, 1998. And what year did you join the Army? I joined the Army in 2007, August 9th, 2007. Why do you remember these dates so well? Don't answer that. I already know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Virgo in <laughs> Look, as soon as you said your birthday, I was like, she's one of us. <laughs> yes, yes. The great thinkers of the world, yes. Look, and I'm going to cut this next part out if you don't give me the right answer. But, hey, are you a Beyonce? <laughs> Look, I'm not kidding. Hey, are you a Beyonce fan? Ooh. I'm cutting it out. I, I, you know what? That's not the right answer. So, <laughs> I respect her artistry. I respect her performance <laughs> and her work ethic. I think she is phenomenal. She is. I think she is an amazing person and she is phenomenal at what she does. She is. I listened to some of her songs. Okay. Um, some of them, you know, sit with me. However, she, my favorite Virgo is Michael Jackson. I'm cutting this interview right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. How dare you, Rhonda? In my face. Well, I mean, not my face. In my ear. <laughs> my favorite Virgo is Michael Jackson. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. My- Rhonda, that's an August Virgo. We are September Virgos. We don't like hey, those people. He's, he's on the cusp. So. He's not close enough to the cusp. Um, 
There, there's no hope for him. He was what the 29th. That's not even. No, no. There's like that's, 30. That's the end of August. He he he's right there. He's in the he's in the week of September. No, stop it. Don't you justify this <laughs> this answer? I cannot believe you right now. There are so many other Virgos you could have said were your favorite. Beyonce should have yes, been number. My favorite is is Taraji Henson. Is my yes, favorite. yes. I love Taraji Henson. Yes, good answer. Good um, answer. I think she's an amazing example of a Virgo. Um, Jennifer Hudson. Let's see, Jennifer. Wow, we're, we're just gonna hate on the whole Dreamgirls group, really, Rhonda? In my ear, you would do this. I believe Jennifer Hudson has amazing talent. Wow. I do not know her to say anything else about her, but I do think she has amazing talent. You are a September Virgo. I am naming nothing but September Virgos and you shooting us. You know what? You're a self-hating September Virgo. (laughs) You know, I love September Virgo. I I love September Virgo. That's that's two thirds of the dream girl cast that you... You had a so-so opinion about, hey, what do you think about Anika Noni Rose? I love her. Uh, finally, finally. She's very talented. My goodness. I think she is very, very talented. The gentleman Ooh. I told you about earlier, uh, Mr. Jerry Gaines, he's, in the, he's a September Virgo. Okay. Yeah. Love it. So he's also one of my um, favorite Virgos out there. I, I think we have a, another favorite Virgo in common. You may love her more than I do because she's an August Virgo. I love her. But I would love her more if she were like a week later. Lisa Spotwood. Okay. <laughs> of course. You know, she's, 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 she starts off the epitome of strong, vivacious Virgo. She starts it off. She Zendaya does. Zendaya is a Virgo. Who? Zendaya. Okay. Mm-hmm. Idris. Idris Elba is a Virgo. Okay. Kiki Palmer. You know, they're all up there. I love them. Hey, what did you say about... uh? Jennifer and Beyonce, I respect their artistry. <laughs> I respect their artistry. That, that's how I feel about uh, the people that you just said. I respect their artistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very talented at what they do. Mm-hmm. They're doing Thank their you. job very well. <laughs> yes. You know what? I'm not editing any of that out because the world needs to know how you feel about Beyonce and whatever repercussions. The world, the world can know. <laughs> I, I, I think she's a phenomenal artist. Thank you. I, she she definitely has songs in my various playlists. Come on. Um, I did not go to see her in tour. However, I will go see her movie. All right, you know, all right. I, I'm just not a member of the Beehive. I do respect her artistry. I love her music. I love the businesswoman <laughs> that she is. I believe she's a total boss. <laughs> That's how I feel about Idris. He is a phenomenal businessman. Yeah, he's he's yes. a boss. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how I feel. That the way you feel about mine, that's how I feel about yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I, I forgot we were in the middle of an interview. I just got way off the rails there. <laughs> that is fine. I, I believe that Beyonce is a very good representation for the September Virgo group. Thank you. Um, Thank you. You know, her and Beyonce, I mean, her and Taraji P. Henson, you know, I I would love them to continue to be the delegation representatives for the September Virgo. I'm totally all right with that. Same. I feel that, yes, finally, we agree. Mm -hmm. They are our representatives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) 
you are fun. You said that you were going <laughs> to, no, you said you were, this was going to be a lot of laughs. You were, you were right. All right. You were tired from the army. Uh, what year? The army. I was medically retired in 2011. Okay. And if you don't mind my asking, what rank were you upon retiring? I was a sergeant in E5. Get it. In the army. Do you feel that you were a better leader than the ones you were able to grow under? In some instances. Okay. In some instances, I lacked wisdom. Okay. In some instances, I was not mature enough because I was young. And decisions that I would have made at 21, I know now that they weren't exactly the best decisions. I think I was a better leader. Because of the time period that I came in, I'm kind of like, uh, I was born in 1980. So I, I have a, a blessing and a curse when it comes to the year I was born. That decade, that time period that I was born, like I'm old enough to still have some of the values and to have some of the things that, you know, like our families had, like, you know, 70s and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I am young enough where, you know, Google came out the year that I graduated high school. Right. Yeah. So I'm young enough where I was able to be involved in some of the changes that were happening in the world. So that made me a little more open-minded. I had a little bit more access to things. Mm-hmm. And I was able to offer a different perspective. You are al- almost a millennial. Yeah. Uh, almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, dare I say, very young. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think in that aspect, I was a leader. And my greatest leadership ability is that I am not a, well, that's how we've always done it person. Good. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you. I love that. I don't care who you are. My mother instilled in me from a very young age that judge puts his pants on the same way that the person in his courtroom does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You respect the people who they are, not their title. Mm -hmm. And so I don't care who you are. If you are not following the rules, mm-hmm. if you are not going to go by the book and you're going to go just because that's the way we've always done it, that doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I was a questioner. Good. Why am I doing this? Yeah, I would do it, but I want to know why I'm doing it. At the end of the day, is what I'm doing just because it's the way it's always been done. Can it come back and bite me in the ass? <laughs> who's going to get thrown under the bus if the way that we've always done it isn't right? And it doesn't work out. Right. Right. It's going to be me because I'm the person at the low totem pole. Mm-hmm. 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 So I, I, I think that my greatest leadership style has been, I'm not just going to do it because you tell me to do it. You're going to do what makes sense. Yes. I love I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do Th- what's right. Thank you. And thank you. I have found in my career, doing what's right isn't always doing what's popular. Come on. It's not always popular and it's not always um, uh, easy. It's not. And I will say that ability in me has sometimes cost me. Mm. Thank you for standing on business, though. I don't know any other way. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any sisters in service that inspire you? Past, present, retired, guard, army, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, (laughs) Air Force, whatever. Any sisters in service that inspire you? Um, let me see. There's so many. Um, uh, we covered Miss Cheryl. 
Who? What? Yes, Miss Cheryl Vernice Armour. Ver- Say Vernice she, or Bernice? Bernice with the V. Okay. Come on, Vernice. She was the first black woman combat helicopter pilot in the United States Marine Corps. That okay. woman is a total badass. And I had the pleasure of working down the flight line for her with her while she was um freshly coming into the Marine Corps and I have always admired and respected her path in the Marine Corps. Um now she's a public speaker and what? she goes and she's an author. So Wait, what's her last um, name again? Armour A M O U R. Bernice Armour. You know what? I'm willing to bet I've definitely heard this name before, like just in other mm-hmm. black lady veteran circles. This probably have. I think I have. Thank you for telling me she's an author. I'm going to go ahead and buy her book now. Yes, thank you. Um, Let me see. Let me see. Carla Glover. Carla Glover was a... She. I met her as a sergeant, and she has always shown to be who she is, and she ended up being a master sergeant in the Marine Corps before she retired. Come on, and, Carla. Um, she's a total badass. <laughs> of course. Uh let me see. Look, if she's a, a uh, master sergeant in the Marine Corps, yeah, she's a badass. You ain't you ain't got to yes, tell me, Rhonda. And, I know what a badass sounds like. <laughs> and the reason why I think she's a total badass is because <laughs> Carla suffers from migraines as well. And a few years ago, uh, Carla, she's an avid motorcycle rider, mm-hmm. had a devastating accident when she got a migraine that took her out. Ooh. And she was riding her bike, and she had to totally learn how to function again wow and to see her today you would never know so i think she's a total badass on that uh let's she see. is my friend shakara devos as always i just totally think like she's just the most amazing person in the world Shout and out to um, she was in yes she was in charge of the pacific region meps and um she was always gone but in spite of her being always gone she has three amazing children she's been to college she has an amazing husband <laughs> and she's involved in so many organizations that she just has a true lifestyle of service. Love it. Let's see. Love it. My cousin Angie. Come on, uh, Angie. She joined the military and she had gone through some things in her life as a young adult. And um, she just said, you know what? I'm going to have a better life for myself. She just kicked the military's ass. <laughs> uh, now, what branch did uh, Angie join? She joined the Army. Okay. Um, Tessa, Tessa Jones. I met Tessa through an organization that we were both a part of and told her, uh, Tessa is an Air Force veteran and she's a black woman business owner. She owns a skincare line called uh, Akasha Be Well and all of her ingredients are 100% organic. Yo, you you have um, to share the link with this to me so I can like promote it. I sure will. Thank you. I sure will. A black lady owned and, business. Um, I, I need to promote yes. that. Yeah. Yes. And she is a spider mom. She has uh, these tarantulas. What the? Hey, you could have left that out. (laughs) What the hell? Yes. She has tarantulas. Did you say um, spider mom? Yes, she has tarantulas. And. Why are you. um, (laughs) Yep. Penelope and Persephone. Don't be telling me that. I'm not going to pet them. (laughs) I mean, they're. You mean in in case I ever meet them? 
and she's really into their care and learning about them and she even went yeah if and, she don't take um, care of them guess what's gonna happen <laughs> i mean of course yeah. but it's been such a total it's been a totally cool thing learning more about tarantulas on a level where most people have pets like cats and dogs and She's just so sweet and gentle with them. And she talks like Patrick the Brown. She's very, hey, sweetheart, how you doing? She's got that soothing voice. Yes. Um, So Tessa, uh, T. Hannibal, T. Marie Hannibal. And uh, she is a retired gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. We have never met in person. However, she is an advocate for medicinal marijuana for veterans. Get it, get it. She uh, is in school right now, I believe, to get her degree in uh, uh, marijuana, uh, something dealing with marijuana for veteran research. And she um, wrote a book called The Warrior Code. Hold on, The Warrior Code? The Warrior Code, yes. And uh, I I hope that I have not missed anyone. But um, those are some of the women who personally have you know, made an impact in my life in one way or another. Of course, Cheryl. Of course, Cheryl. I would be remiss if I didn't mention Miss Lisa again. Because, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be here without her. I am so grateful for my village. I am so grateful to have encountered and interacted with those women that I have named. And mm-hmm. You have an amazing village. I love this for you. Thank you. I thank God for them every day. Absolutely. All right. I'm getting two books after this. Let's say you were just starting your life on your own Mm -hmm. and you were Mm -hmm. presented with the opportunity to join the service for the first time. Knowing what you know now, would you still join? Absolutely. Okay. I think everybody should join the military. And which branch would you join? Oh, the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> the Air Force. Right on, right on. Yeah. I cannot say I blame you for that one. <laughs> and then and then the Navy. Okay. And then the Army. And then the Marine Corps. And <laughs> the, the Coast Guard is last. <laughs> Only because um, in my ear know, you would do this. You know, and honestly, it's because even though I grew up in Hampton Roads, Virginia, the Coast Guard wasn't really visible to me. Okay. So that would honestly be the only reason. I have amazing friends who are Coast Guard. <laughs> you know, hey, after having been in the Coast Guard for almost a decade, you don't have to explain your reasons as to why you wouldn't join. I've, <laughs> I've got plenty for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rhonda, if you had a daughter or any young, impressionable black girl in your life that you cared about, and she was considering a life in the military, would you try to talk her out of joining? No. Okay. My daughter, my youngest child, enlisted in the Army. Oh, right. And she's currently in Poland. She just became Soldier of the Month. Get it! And um, she's over there doing her thing. Hey, Reagan. Hey, Reagan. Um, Way to go, girl. Yes. And so what I will say is that the reason why I did encourage her to go is, number one, uh, Shakara. As the first sergeant of the MEPS, I knew that my child would be in good hands 
in regards to how she enlisted, what kind of options that would be available to her, that she would um, get a job where it wouldn't be excruciating and she would be able to do, you know, a career where she wouldn't have too much uh, physically demanding stuff happen to her, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and to put her in a field that could easily translate once she got out of the military. So that was one of the most important things. And then number two, the military afforded me with the ability to pursue my education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I definitely would encourage. It was important uh, to your grandma too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I definitely would encourage uh, my daughter, if I had additional daughters, to look into the military as an option. <laughs> I would go and with that encouragement, provide them with resources so they wouldn't have to. So they would they would they would be prepared for what the military is. Okay, you would give them the tools that you may not have had. Yes, like I made sure when my daughter decided to go into the military that I did call Shakara and I did say, "Hey, Reagan's interested in joining. I'm going to forward her your information. You can talk to her because number one, you've done this longer. You're currently serving." And you have access to things that I no longer have. That is village. I love that you have this. And I love that you're able to help your your, your daughter with it as well. This is beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. So you wouldn't talk anybody out of joining. Unless, I mean, I think everybody should do it. Um, because at any given time, you know, you have housing. You either going to live in the barracks or if you have a family, you get base housing. Right. Um, you get to see the world. I, you know, California, man, California is in my heart. Yes. Uh, I love California. Yes. And then uh, even going over to Iraq and being able to be in the cradle of civilization and to interact with the uh, people who worked in the various places on the base and just talking to them and learning more about the Iraqi, you know, culture and things like that. So I would have never have experienced that without joining the military. And um, I got a master's degree out of it. Nice. Yeah. So I think everybody should do it. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Heck yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, Recruitment and retention is down across all branches and with all demographics. Black women are not excluded from that. This was true even before the pandemic. Why do you think black women are so disinterested in joining the military? (sighs) Lack of representation. Okay. They're just now starting to put out images and media and uh, things that portray black women in a more prominent, more visible aspect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Also, that lack of representation, you know, that's not what we see coming into our schools. It's always uh, men. Mm -hmm, Or mm -hmm. if it is a woman, they're not black women. Mm -hmm. So we don't really have anyone to give us firsthand knowledge I think also that in this age of social media, sometimes a lot of the wrong things get passed around. A lot of people think that joining the military, you know, it makes us, I guess, modern day slaves, I guess. They think that we shouldn't be serving a country that treats us in the manner that they have treated us in the past. Well, hey, the military has been great to me. I'm a little, you know, my knees hurt sometimes, you know, I'm a little, you know, I, I creak, I creak a little bit when I'm getting up and down, but the military. But you're getting a check for that, right? 
Exactly. All right. And the military has afforded me things and my children. My children now are eligible for my veterans benefits that I would never have been able to do or provide without the military. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in social media, you always see the worst. You know, yeah, you see some good stuff, but you see things like, you know, the girls online, they're, you know, all they're doing is twerking in uniform and they're out of regulation with their hair and their nails. And you tend to see a, a more ratchet image of the military than what it actually is. And you've seen people twerking you know, in uniform. Yeah, you gotta go on TikTok. And I'm on IG. Like, I ain't seen none of it. You're right. I, I haven't yeah. hit up the TikTok too too hard. All right. It's like military. Some of these new 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 wave military people, you, people think that that's what that is, and then <laughs> when they realize that it's not that, oh, they can't handle it, and they want to you know come home, and then they start bad mouthing, and they start telling you negative things because you know of their experience, and when you're in a group of already impressionable people. I mean, I wouldn't join if I saw a young lady on TikTok talking about all the things that she endured at the hands of the military. I think that has a a lot to do with it, too. I'm going to stay off TikTok just because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If you were conducting this interview from where I'm sitting, what question would you have asked you that I did not ask you? Off the top of my head? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything. What I miss. Um, what, what did you want to say that I didn't get around to asking you about? I think you encompassed everything. I had a great experience. Overall, I wouldn't change anything. And I think you hit questions that caused me to reflect on those aspects of my life. So I think you did pretty good. Yo. All right, Rhonda. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to stay serious like this whole time. Don't try it. We've already, no, we've already cracked our faces, both of us. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is normally the part where if I was going to surprise you with a question, it would have been like, uh, hey, what's your favorite Beyonce song? But now that we've already gotten off. My favorite <laughs> Beyonce song <laughs> is One Plus One. Okay. Okay. That's my favorite Beyonce song. That's an incredibly respectable answer. Okay, Rhonda, yes. I see you. And my second favorite song is On the Run with Jay-Z. All right. I see you. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what? You all right after all. Um, <laughs> I take back all those those bad... <laughs> I take back all those bad things I was thinking about you but didn't say out loud because I'm a polite person. I, I take that back right yes. now. You didn't know I was thinking yes. it, but I was. <laughs> Um, you know, I think a question that I would have asked you is mm-hmm. how has your time in the military opened doors for you that you wouldn't have otherwise have had open to you? Hey, Rhonda, how? <laughs> <laughs> you, you saw it coming. Don't play. <laughs> you, yes. kn- you knew I was going to do this. Hey, Rhonda. So if, if I may, uh, what doors did the military open for you that otherwise may not have been open for you? Oh, man. So, being in the military... I know, you didn't see this question um, coming. I, I get it. Yes, of course. Of course, I get great discounts. Like, oh, okay. Get it. You know, I get great discounts. But, in, yeah. in fairness, it has put me in contact with women uh, through a couple of military organizations that get me. They have also 
given me the opportunity to serve a community that often gets overlooked. It has put me in contact with people that have allowed me to partake in other organizations. Like I'm a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Okay. And I would not have been a member of that organization if I had not taken my time in the military and got to know people who were already members of that organization that I probably wouldn't have had access to if I were not in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Here's what I love about this whole interview so far. So far, you've told me that you have phenomenal village from the military, but also mm-hmm. you joined a black lady Greek letter organization, which means you also have sisterhood. You've got, yes. vi- you've got village, you've got sisterhood. You are surrounded by black girl magic all around. I love this I for you. I am extremely blessed. Like I, I love am this for extremely, you. extremely blessed. Mm-hmm. I love this for you. I love it. All right. Rhonda, is there anything you would like to leave our audience with? Anything you want to promote? Anything you want to <laughs> tell us? Um, no, thank you. Thank you for coming up with this. Thank <laughs> you for uh, giving this platform for Black ladies to share their experiences as military women. And I, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Rhonda, thank you. You have taken time out of your schedule to share your story, to share your energy, and to share a part of yourself with me and our audience. Thank you. So with that, I'm going to say thank you once again, and thank you to our audience for tuning in, and bye now. And that concludes this episode of the Season Bed Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. And a special thank you to Sergeant Rhonda Cooper for sharing her story and taking the time to make this interview possible. Now, if you are or know a Black Lady veteran who would like to sit down with me and be a part of this show, please email me at seasonvetpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call or text message me at 713-254-0970. You can also find, follow, and inbox me, the Season Vet, across all platforms of social media. At Real Season Vet on Twitter at Season Vet Podcast on Instagram, at Season Vet Podcast on TikTok, at Season Vet on YouTube, Season Vet on Facebook. Y'all, I'm so out there, I'm even on Spoutable. That's at the Season Vet on Spoutable. Now, if you like what you heard, please like it, share it, rate it, and leave a good review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And if you're hearing this episode on the day that it drops, then you're listening to it on February 12th, 2024. Today is the 115th anniversary of the founding of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People or as it's more commonly called, the NAACP. You're also listening to this on Arsenio Hall's 68th birthday. Arsenio Hall was born February 12, 1956. And in 1989, Arsenio Hall became the first black late-night talk show host in history. And if you were alive yesterday, then you know today is the day after the surprise drop of what is likely to be the most successful country album of the year. And that's right. Beyonce dropped a country album, and I can't wait to listen to the rest of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you again for tuning in, and until next time, fall out. <laughs>